want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And, and I want to uh, tell you that the book of uh, Romans was written uh, not last year. Uh, you know, uh, 55 to 64 AD, somewhere in there. And uh, uh, the exact year, uh, he doesn't say, but we know it's within that time period. And uh, as we think about that, this book that we're looking at was written to say to the Roman church, the Roman church, hey, this is how you live as a Christian. This is how you think. This is what the gospel is. And this is how you live in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, you know, how to live in your day with the struggles that you have. Uh, it, it was not written uh, for some hypothetical place. It was written for those in Rome as they heard it, that they might be instructed on how to live. Now, uh, as part of God's work, he intended for the book of Romans to be written, written, so it was. It was brought to Rome and so that they could have it. It was dispersed, not just in Rome, but had, you know, went out from there. And it was preserved uh, so that we could hear it today as the word of God. And so you know what the instructions are for us today? Hey, Tehachapi. Hey, 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 Bear Valley Church. This is how you live in your day, in your age, in 2023. So what's going on in 2023? All kinds of crazy stuff, huh? Um, as I, I want to tell you that Rome was a crazy place. Lots was going on there. It was, a, it was a crazy place. It was the huge city. There was stuff going on. There was cults and different other religions. And there were uh, sins that you can't imagine for some of us. And things were going on there that you just couldn't fathom. And, and the sin that was going on there. And they were believers. They had responded to the gospel and so Paul was instructing them in the inspiration of God how to live in their day. And so now as we read this, this is God speaking us to us today on how to live in our day. I know there's a lot going on. I know that uh, it's confusing what's going on in our world right now. Um, I don't know if you do this, but every time it snows or rains, I wonder... Is this the natural rain or is this the one where they're seeding the clouds and making it rain on us? I see the planes in the air and the chemtrails and stuff and I go, oh, is it going to snow tomorrow? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, I, I hear in the news that there's balloons flying overhead and those, you know, I go, oh, I love balloons. July 4th, Bear Valley Springs, you know, balloons. And, um, but they say, no, those balloons are surveillance balloons that can carry a payload with them. What does that mean? And they may not be from our team. They may be from some other team, and we'll blow them out of the air, but we're afraid maybe there's something in there that we don't want to blow them out of the air. I don't know. And do I know what's going on? I don't. Some of you think you do. Some of you are in the intel, you know. Uh, some of you, uh, I could tell you want to tell me things, but uh, maybe I don't want to hear them, you know. Uh, um <laughs> 
We, we look at the, the uncertainty in our world right now and, uh, you know, every day it seems like there's a new hotbed of, uh, of military stuff going on in uh, Ukraine or, you know, even uh, in Asia and um, Middle East. And uh, I was talking to one of our servicemen, RJ mentioned it too, uh, Korea. Korea, they're ramping up there and I don't know. I'm not in the military intel. I don't know what's going on. Um, I I just want to say, I realize that this makes us feel uncertain. Sometimes we look economically and we wonder what's going on as well. And we say, well, you know, some of us just realized in the last couple of years that our dollar is just paper. There's nothing behind it. Nothing. Nothing. It just is a piece of paper that we trade back and forth. And we say, well, it's worth something today. Will it be, still be worth something tomorrow? I don't know. You say, well, I'll go into Bitcoin. Where is that? You can't even put that in your pocket, right? Uh, there's an uncertainty. Uh, there's crazy things going on in the world. And as you, you collect all these crazy things and all, all these things, you, you might ask the question, and, and this is an important question to ask, in light of the fact that all these crazy things are going on in the world, what should I be doing? What should I be about? What, what should my days be filled with? And how should I live my life? I want to tell you, uh, that that's the question that the Romans were wondering too. How to live in Rome as a believer in that year that they received this or those years that they were reading this. And for us here this morning, it's how do we live in the U.S. and Tehachapi, California, wherever you feel like your identity is and your, your plot of land is. Uh, how to live as a believer in 2023. And, and, and the problem with that is this, and RJ uh, alluded to it, like I said before, um, we have scarcity, right? Uh, I, say, I say scarcity because I wanted to bring it back to the economics class you took so many years ago. Um, we have limited time. We have limited money. And I, I'd say it this way, we have limited brain bandwidth, right? Uh, we're limited. We're limited what we can handle. And, and, and because all those things are limited, we have to make choices. We can't do it all. And so the question is this morning, what should we be doing with this limited time, money, and personal brain bandwidth? And I would suggest to you it's this, build his church. Build his church. I know that when we think of building, most of the time we think of a building building, right? Uh, but what we're going to be talking about today, just know this, that it is about the uh, building of people, the strengthening of people to be his church in this time and his pl- this place. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first eight verses from the book of Romans chapter 12. God's word says this. I appeal to you, um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern uh, what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every, every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, uh, each according uh, to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, uh, if service in our serving, the, the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts uh, in his exhortation, the one who contributes in, in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, uh, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning as we look at it. I pray that it would ignite us and motivate us and mobilize us to be the church you want us to be. God, I pray that we would um, be motivated, even as we see the craziness in this world, um, not to worry, uh, not to do uh, things just to preserve our life down here, but that we would be part of that eternal building that you are doing, the building of your church. God, thank you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So think about building the church. And I want to say that as we look at this passage, it doesn't really say anything about building the church. Uh, It doesn't say anything about even the local church. But know this, Rome was a local church. It was a church within the city of Rome. You know, it it was probably large and we don't know much about it in the sense of the, the size, but we know much about the size of Rome, and we realize that it probably, you know, we, it was a, a group here, a group there, and there were groups around Rome uh, that called themselves the Church of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this, uh, we will see uh, how God has uniquely gifted each one who is his. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will understand from this passage that you are gifted at salvation as, a, as part of his blessing upon you as his child, that you are uniquely gifted to serve him, to serve him and to be a part of building his church. So this morning, we're really going to look at how we see ourselves. And we've been talking about this. I've been sharing with the men as well, that really the thinking in our mind matters. And, and the thoughts that we have kind of instruct our actions, set our priorities. Uh, you know, the schedule that we have is dictated by the things that we think are important. And so this morning, as we look at this, realize that God wants to change uh, your mind and heart about these things. And really, it's all about how you see yourself, how you see yourself. I, I've heard things many times, motivational speakers talk about different ways that you need to think about yourself, you need to think of yourself as successful, and hopefully your body and your mind and your life will follow. Um, You see yourself as rich, or you see yourself as poor, that's going to make some kind of difference in who you are. And, And this morning, this isn't about fantasy and mind games, this is about the reality 
of who you are because of Jesus, the reality, the truth. And so uh, as we look at this, we're going to look at verse 3, and I would say verse 3, how do we see ourselves is, I'm a big deal. No, that's not it. I'm a deal, just not a big deal, okay? As we look at verse 3, look down at it. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And I want to say this, that that's a problem outside the church. That's a problem inside the church. That's a problem in your home. If you live by yourself, it's everyone who lives with you. If you live by yourself, everyone who lives with you has this problem. Okay? And you say, well, I'm the only one who lives with myself. That's the one I was talking about. Uh, thinking of ourselves as more highly than we ought. Having a, a grand estimation of ourselves. I, I've shared with you before, and some of the thing of pouting and, uh, you, know, you know, feeling depressed and stuff like that is the shock, is the aftermath of our own failures. And, and what I mean by that is this, that we thought we were awesome. We thought we were awesome, and then the reality showed up, and it was shocking to us, Right? that we weren't as awesome as we thought we are, we expected that we would be, that we thought more highly of ourselves than we ought. It's interesting that manifests itself in many different ways, but um, much of the time it comes out in the way we talk, right? We, we tell people how great we think we are, right? Uh, you, you can tell by the way someone is talking if they think that they are great, and most of the time, it's in comparison to someone else. And they, you know, if they need a prop to boost them up, they will talk down about somebody else so that in their estimation uh, or in the view of what, what's going on, that they will look better. They will look better. And what that is, that's a high estimation of ourselves. As we see this, we see that Paul is uh, sharing with the Roman church that this was a command, a bedrock, not to think highly of ourselves. This is the danger. And I want to tell you that uh, our our world has kind of flipped that around, flipped that around. They've said, you know, what's what's the greatest danger for your kids? Poor self-esteem. They just need to love themselves more. No, the greatest danger for your kids is that they have a wrong estimation of themselves. And most of the time, it's not too low of one. It's too high of one. It's too high of one. They think they are Superman. And those days that they act like Superman, but they're not really Superman, it's not going to work out that well. And so the the great uh, warning here is this that we would not think highly of ourselves, this is the danger to us. And I would say this, this is the danger to us personally. This is the danger of a believer in the church as well. And so that makes it a danger to the church is that we would think of ourselves individually as more highly than we truly are, okay? Okay. 
And so as we see this, uh, that's kind of this warning here. I want to back up and say this. uh, For the grace given to me, Paul Paul writes this, and I I want you to see this over and over again. Um, Last week, we said, by the mercies of God, right? Uh, Last week was verse 1, by the mercies of God. All that we have in the gospel that's been talked about in these 11 chapters, all these are the basis of us living our lives in a certain way. And it was not conforming to the world, but being transformed, renewing of our mind that we would be the the, uh, living sacrifices that God wants us to be. And I want to say this, that, that I think he's going on and taking it a step further. But Paul is writing and he sees himself. Now, Paul was an apostle. He was a writer of scripture. He was one who spoke for God. And how did he get that position? In a very similar way to the gospel itself, by God's grace. Uh, God didn't look at Paul and go, yeah, I need a home run hitter. I need someone who can really do it all. And I, I need someone smart because they're going to be writing scripture. And, I, you know, it's hard to be, you need to be a good writer. You know, uh, uh, Paul saw his position, his apostolic position has been given to him by grace, undeserving uh, love from God anyways. And it was on the basis that he was going to share this with them. And so he says, don't think highly of yourself. But there's another way to think, and, 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 and this is the picture here, and I, I want you to get it. I, I wrote it in a clumsy sort of uh, caveman sort of way. Uh, I, I'm a deal, just not a big deal, right? And what I mean by that is this, that, um, that, that it, there's a danger in saying, well, if I'm not the greatest, if I'm not the greatest, I'm nothing and worthless, I'm nothing and worthless. But he, he, what he says is, don't think highly of yourself. Have sober judgment. And the idea of sober judgment is, is cl- a clear picture, not a fuzzy picture, right? Not just something that you're up and down and tossed here and fro. And even the picture of drunkenness, you can think that through. Uh, you don't think clearly. But, but he says, I want you to think clearly about who you are and how that thinking should go. Uh, as you think through the book of uh, Romans, what is it? How, how do you think clearly as he instructed the Romans? Well, I'm a sinner. I, I could even be saying I'm a worthless sinner. But as I've accepted the gospel, now I am a, a saved sinner, a redeemed sinner. I used to be a slave, but now I've been freed. Like, like there's all this picture, this fullness of who I am because of Jesus. I once was lost. I was, I, I, you know, as the song goes, I was that person that, that was lost in my sin, but now I am no longer lost in my sin. I've got life. And so as he, he wants Each person in Rome, in the Roman church, he says, I want you to think with sober judgment. And there's this thing that should go on, which should bring us incredible humility, incredible humility that says, I I know who I am without Jesus. I can define myself apart from Jesus, but I can also define myself with Jesus. I know both of those. That's sober judgment. 
And, and I know the riches that I have today, at least intellectually, and I'm still exploring those and understanding the riches that I have because of Christ, but I don't look upon those and say, man, I'm better than you because I have these riches. I, I realize that I've experienced mercy and grace because of the gospel. He says, that's how I want you to think of yourself. I don't want you to think highly of yourself. I want you to think with sober judgment. And and even as he's going to go on in this passage for us to think, I am a saved believer, redeemed, uniquely gifted by God to do something for him, to work for him, when with him in his church. Paul says this in verse three, he says, uh, grace given to me, I say to every one of you, think uh, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, there's a lot there in that, those few words because uh, you realize that these gifts that he's gonna give have been assigned, have been assigned. That's an interesting wording there. And, and who assigned them? Look at, the, look at, look, look at there in your body. Who, who assigned them? God did. Uh, this isn't like going to college. Where do you want to go? What do you want to study? You know, I, I really want to study ballet. Because I think that I'm like elegant. And I feel like, you know, I, I just... I want to sail through the air with the greatest of ease. You know, I, I want to do that. I really feel like that's me. It's not me choosing what these gifts are. It's not me doing what I want to do. It's God, the sovereign God, the God over all, saying, I know you. I know what I want to do with you. I will assign this to you. I want you to get this. This is super important. These are God-assigned gifts, sovereign over the gifts, that he is the one that uh, is granting these. It's, I think that we're so used to making choices for ourselves that it's hard for us to gather this, but uh, it's, it's like getting a, a gift at Christmas, but it's not just picking what you want, telling them what you want. It's God knowing you, loving you, knowing what the future holds for you. And he says, this is what I will give to you. And, and I think so often we get a gift and there's a, a receipt with it, right? It's a gift receipt. And you say, well, I really didn't like this. Thank you so much. What is it? You know, uh, where'd you buy that? <laughs> and can I take it back? Because I don't want it. But this gift is given by God who saved you through his son, Jesus. He gave this to you, knowing you, knowing what he wanted to do with you and knowing the work he wanted to do. I want you to get that. That's very important. And so as you think about yourself to remember this, I am a deal. I I am something... uh, like there, there's some worth to my position. There's some worth to what I bring to the team, but I'm not a big deal. I'm not a big deal. I'm not the most important. I'm not the highest above all. I am 
uh, a part of what God is doing, and I need to think of myself as that. And so as we look at this first verse, we see ourselves as not high. Uh, we look clearly that we are a sinner saved, which, which is, comes with riches, and that God has given me an assignment. This is not me going on Amazon and deciding what I want, and it shows up at my house. This is a special God-given gift that he would desire for you for the use and the building of his church. Okay, for the use and building of his church. Which brings us to verse four. I am a part, I'm a part. I am a deal and now I am a part. Um, And I'm a part of one, but I'm also separate, but we're also together, okay? Uh, I know that's confusing, but I am a part of one. I'm separate, but I'm also together with the rest of them. In verse 4, it says this. Uh, For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Uh, So we, though many, are of one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What he adds to this picture, this thinking that we should do, is that I am a part he uses the, the, the idea of a body. We have a idea of a body. And I think it's important for us to take his analogy uh, that we have many members. Um, I, I want to show how smart I am today. Um, I looked this up last night. I just want to show with, show, show with you that I'm educated by the internet. Uh, humans have 206 bones. 206 bones, 650 muscles, and 78 organs. I was thinking about it. I had a surgery when I was a kid where I lost a bone. So it's uh, 205, lost an organ, or at least half, they consider that. So 77.5 organs. Um, But uh, as you look at that, we realize, and and we we know about that, right? We we don't, uh, sometimes we do talk about that, and you say, What's this thing down there? Well, that's my foot. That's my foot. And rarely do we say, as we look at someone's foot, we say, that's Kevin right there. It's Kevin. This is Kevin. This is Kevin. It's all Kevin. Uh, We look at it as, as parts or pieces or members, as it says here. And, and these members, the, the reason we call them members or separate from one another is they don't all have the same function, right? Uh, there's weird pictures that you could draw if someone was just feet. If, if all those uh, bones were feet or if all those bones were, or all those muscles were uh, hearts or uh, if all the organs were, you know, what's fascinating about organs especially is that uh, any one of them could knock you out, right? <laughs> any one of them doesn't work. Things aren't going to work well. And you, and you get this picture that God is placing before his church at Rome, and he uses it in other places as well. He says, look, you're all different. You're all critical, though, as well. And when I want to do something, I, I need you to play your role. I've designed you for a role. And so he says, uh, one body, many members. 
The members do not all have the same function. They are different. They are different. And, and, and sometimes we look at different and we go, you're weird because you're not like me. And, and I want to say, forget about pointing the finger or thinking highly of yourself or whatever. Just know this. God made you this way. God made them this, that way. And that's, you're not the one handing out the gifts, right? We talked about this earlier. These were assigned by God as part of his unique plan for you. So I'm a part of one, I'm part of the body of Christ. Like this is an amazing thing that he has brought me a part of, the body of Christ. And verse five, body of Christ, and individually members of one another. I think that's a critical piece for us to know, especially in California, selfish California. I say selfish California. Everyone's selfish every, but every place else, but we're just good at it here, right? We develop it, you know? We, we cherish it and talk about it. And, and this life is all about me, and I want to say this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is not, uh, you're not an individual. You've been saved into the body of Christ. And so there is this mutual need and connection one to another, and I want to say this, too. Uh, it, it's in the local church. Local church. You, you're meant to be a part of a local church. If you don't like Bear Valley Church, go someplace else. But know this. If you're a believer, you're meant to be connected with a local church, with believers in your area that you're bumping into all the time, that you're living life with, both old and young, uh, the, the idea is for you, it is not all about what you want. It's about your connection with God's people, the church, the local church. And I keep saying the local church, you know why? Because your spiritual gifts don't matter anything to people in Kenya. They don't. Um, your compassion and mercy, your te- like it won't mean anything to them. Why? Because they're not living with you, Okay. And so there's this importance of I am a part of one separate but together, but together, which brings us to verse six, I am a gift to the church. I I laugh when I say that because it sounds so funny, doesn't it? I am a gift to Bear Valley Church. You are a gift to Bear Valley Church. If this is your church, you are a gift to Bear Valley Church. And you say, well, what kind of gift? A God-assigned gift to Bear Valley Church. And maybe gift's probably a bad word. You're part of the team. If you think about sports or a work crew or something like that, everyone has a different part in the play. And you think about the importance of the pitcher saying, I'm the most important person on the team. And the catcher looks at him and goes, well, go ahead, do it without me. You know, who are you going to throw to? And the catcher says, no, I'm the most important part. And he says, no, you know, after the ball's hit, it never touched your glove. Uh, I'm, I'm in the outfield. I need to catch that. And he says, well, forget that. You know, what about the infielders? You know, after the pitcher walks the batter because he wasn't that good because he was thinking highly of himself. And, uh, and who's going to hold him on for it? Like, like the, it's fascinating how the teams work together. And we know that, but we forget that. And now he says... He says this, uh, he connects this, I've gifted you, I've gifted you, I've made you, I've equipped you, I've given you stuff for what? Uh, To be a servant to the church. I'm a gift to the church or I'm a servant to the church. 
used by the Lord for his church. In verse 6, it says this. Uh, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I, before we get rolling into the specific gifts, uh, just he's reiterating different gifts, grace-given gifts. Why did we get them? God must think pretty highly of me because he's gifted me. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, he does, but he doesn't, right? Uh, stepping back, how, how did we come to these riches? By the mercy of God, right? Not by deserving. He keeps using this term grace. Why do we ha- need grace? But be- Because we don't deserve. We get something beautiful, his kindness, undeserving kindness, that this is the basis for this. And so he, he says, these are grace-given gifts. And then he says, use them, use them. I want to slow down and just say, use them. Why have you been given a gift at salvation? Why has he allotted to you, as he said before? Why has he blessed you in such a way, equipped you? He's done that for you to use it. What if God gave you a car and you never rode in it? What if you just got a, a, an amazing chainsaw, but you never cut anything with it? What, what if you, you, know, you got a computer, an amazing computer that can do all kinds of things, but you never turned it on? I, I want to tell you, let me, let, me be, let me apply just a little bit more before we move on. Why are you so depressed? Why are you discouraged? Why does your life feel empty? I want to tell you that uh, a lot of times life is empty, lonely, depressing, frustrating, frustrating when we're doing it wrong. (laughs) When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. When we aren't doing what we were made for. And I want to tell you, as I look at this passage, I go, Many of us are trying to be great in things that God hasn't made us to be great in, or we're taking the gifts that he's given them and we're trying to use them for our own benefit, our own finances, our own whatever. And there's an emptiness to that. And you say, I just don't get it. I don't know why. Or I tell you, because God hasn't made you for that. And he hasn't gifted you for that. He's gifted you for the building of his church. So we get to the specific gifts. And I just want to say this before we get rolling on this list. This is not, a, these are some of the spiritual gifts that he, some of the ways he gifts people. Some of the ways. And there's other lists that include other things. And this is, they're not all the same. And I, I, what Paul's getting at is this, that this is some of what I want to do, some of what you are supposed to do in the church at Rome and the church at Bear Valley, uh, this is what some of the things that are doing. And, and they're really, the, the, uh, the list isn't there so much as to give you an idea of what kind of gifts you might have, but as he sees a distinction in these gifts, to know that you should be in those ways, whatever way God has gifted you, you should be using that and being used by God for the building of his church. He says this, 
verse uh, six, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he says this, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Prophecy, some of you, most of us run to that word and we think of that which is telling the future, telling the future, telling the events of the future. The word means uh, really kind of a public sharing or a message of God, the speaking forth, the speaking forth of God's message. In the Old Testament, as you, as you realize that the word of God wasn't written in times, and especially in the times where the Bible was written, not everyone had it, there was part of that prophecy was God speaking through men, speaking forth things that they'd never heard before. They'd never heard before. Both about the present and what God thought about the present and also the things that were to come. This word continues in the New Testament many times and in this passage being the public sharing of the message of God, meaning the word of God, the public sharing of that, the speaking forth. Uh, we would use a lot of times the word of preaching or preacher here in this, a, a specific kind of, uh, of public sharing. And, and the, the idea here is this. He says, as I would uh, give someone uh, or gift them, uh, to the church for this speaking forth, that they would do it in proportion to our faith, that this would be not, and, and all these gifts, remember these gifts as this. It's not something that I have that is mine. It's something that I've been given to use. Something that I've been given to use, okay? And the source is not me. It is the God who I trust in, the God who has given me grace, the God who has shown me mercy, and the God who my faith is in. He says prophecy is one. And then he says, he moves on from prophecy and he says, verse seven, if service in our serving. The word service is the, the word that's connected to our word deacon, or the, the picture being table serving, if you will. The practical help, help that we give one to another in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I think that's important too as we think about the building of his church. Sometimes uh, we, we think through the reason that we would be kind and merciful to someone or serve them in some way is because we want to be known as a good person or we see value in them as a good person. And I want to tell you that this gift here is this, that it's service in the name of Jesus, service to one another in the name of Jesus, practical help uh, because of, for the, in the name of Christ. Prophecy, service, teaching. A similar word to the word prophecy, maybe a little bit more um, the idea of working through a particular doctrine or the idea of teaching through step-by-step step, uh, what someone needs to know. And he says this, you know, that once again, that this is gift from God. If in service serving, then the one who teaches in his teaching. And the picture there is this, that it's not smart guys telling every smart thing that they know, right? It's teaching what God thinks all the time. It's in your teaching 
that should be reflective and building of the church and your teaching should be ones that would be helpful for the church and that would show that your teaching comes from God, the one who uh, granted this to you. The next word, exhortation, verse nine, uh, verse eight. Uh, the, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, that word exhortation, it, it has, uh, it's similar to the word that we use for Holy Spirit. It's the coming alongside. It, it's the idea of walking through life with someone. And not just walking through life silently and encouraging, which is part of it, but it brings about the, the correction and the, the help uh, of instruction along the road. Um, we could see this in the uh, counseling ministry during life's ups and downs, someone coming alongside them uh, with the spirit of God, the work of God for the building of his church. And I want to tell you that uh, as I think about, uh, you know, what this church should be, that's, that's what it should be. And that there are people that God has gifted in this church that I believe are specially and I would say supernaturally Designed and gifted to do what? To walk with people through difficult times, to come alongside them, to both encourage and correct and help them through this. And, and what that should look like is this. I'll just stop here in a moment. As you understand what God has saved you for and where he wants to use you, you're looking for it, right? And your antenna is up. And as you see things, you go, man, I got to get in there because that's what God has me for in the building of his church. Exhortation, generosity, uh, interesting word there. Um, th- this idea in ESV, it says, to the one, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who contributes in generosity, I want to back this up a little bit, maybe in your picture, maybe even my picture. Most of the time when we see someone who has the the gift of generosity or of giving, uh, we think to ourselves, they must be rich. They must be rich. Because if God wants someone to give generously, he'll give them a lot of money that he can be a giver. And and that may or may not be true. That may or may not be true. But the idea here is this that someone is a sacrificial giver, that, they're, that they love they love because they've been uh, saved and equipped in such a way to give generously. And it's not necessarily even this. It's not even necessarily money. It, it's the idea that they're always looking to give. They see a need and they just go, oh, here, yeah. I, I know I've told you this story before, but cheap old Kevin was going to seminary and uh, I, I had a good friend, a dear friend, a dear friend. He, he said to me at a break in a class, and I'm in seminary studying to be a preacher of God's word, a leader, a shepherd in his church, a lover of the church most precious to God. That's where I was there. And uh, I'm talking with this good friend of mine. I've known him for years at this point. And he says, hey, uh, do, do you have $10? I need $10. And, and I said, for what? And a guy passing by heard our conversation, opened his wallet, and handed him a 20 and just kept walking. <laughs> and I was like. 
I guess God wanted me to have a sermon illustration many years later, right? <laughs> Cheap Kevin was going, well, if I give you $10, then I won't have $10. And maybe, and, you know, if it's for your lunch, maybe you only need $4 and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I was sorting it out. I was doing the, uh, you know, the accounting of it all. And I was looking, judge and jury, are you really worthy of $10? Like, I, was, I had it all. And this guy was like, boom, 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 done. And I want to tell you that uh, that's what we're talking about here. The building of his church, the taking care of his people, a, a generosity, and this idea of ready to give. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's stuff, sometimes it's yourself. But it's the idea of generosity, right? It's not being cheap. It's not being cheap with liberality. I, I want to tell you that many times we do give cheaply, cheaply. When somebody asks us for, for something, we think to ourselves, well, you know, they say, hey, I need 100 bucks. And they say, well, I'm going to give you 50 because I'm going to teach you a lesson. Is it your job to teach them a lesson? I don't know. Or maybe sometimes we, as we think through giving, and this is not what we're talking about here, it's a generosity that comes from God that, that is super blessed by him, uh, is we're selfish. We give with selfish motives, right? That's not what we're talking about here. Or, or sometimes we give with the motive of kickbacks, right? You know, you, there's some lobbyists in our country that are super generous, no, they're buying favor. They're buying favor. And, and I want to tell you, maybe none of us are lobbyists here, but uh, many times we give hoping to buy favor. And, and I want to tell you, the generosity, of the, the giving here, the, the picture here is one who is a part of God's church, saved by God through his son, Jesus Christ, gifted in such a way for what? The glory of God and the building of his church. This is why. This is why how this works out. Generosity with liberality, like the idea of ready to give. Leadership. Um, we move on and he says uh, generosity and the one who leads with zeal. The one who leads with zeal. Um, a, a lot of times we, uh, in, in our culture, we always you know, we think lead, leading is great, right? We think leaders are great. And we, we even look at our kids and we want to train them to be leaders, right? But leadership's not, not all that great. It's not all that great. A true leader is not like a, 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 that great of a job. And the reason being is this. It's not just doing great things, but it's organizing people, motivating people, thinking through the whole thing, and then heading in that direction. And, and the leading going on here is not leading, I got a great idea, and I'm needing 10 people to go with me to do it. That, that's not what this is. This is blessed by God, following God's leadership, and then organizing and encouraging people to go do what God has for what? His church. His church. Uh, and then lastly, lastly out of these seven, mercy. Mercy. 
And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I think it's interesting that he says with cheerfulness. It's the idea of dispersing grace. It's the idea of uh, patiently loving the ones that are unlovable or the ones that are needy. And, and the idea of giving mercy is connected back with verse one, right? By the mercies of God, God showing us mercy. Now we're handing it out. We're handing it out. Um, by the way, we should be good at this because we should be able to think through, uh, oh yeah, God's been merciful to me. I can go give mercy to the undeserving as well for the building of this church. Uh, We'll stop there, but I, I do want to close up some things. First of all, giftedness, I, I, I would say this. All, all these seven, I think we're, we're, God wants us to do at different times. He, it's not that uh, you, you're not a specialist, okay? Uh, uh, you think to yourself, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. You know, I really feel like God has uh, gifted me to teach. And you say, well, I need $100. And you say, I'm a teacher. I'm not a giver. I, I, want, I want to tell you that, that uh, all of this is service. All of this is service. And I think that what the distinction is, that in these areas, you will be super whatever. A super preacher. A, a, a super servant. A super giver. A, a super merciful like the, that's what God does for the building of his church, though we are called on to do other things at different times that we may not feel as equipped to, and he, he's going to cover us in grace to do that as well. So there's this God doing a supernatural work in us and giving us and gifting us and equipping us to do things. The, the second thing I would say is this. This is not a personal talent. This is not a personal talent. Um, uh, this is not, you know, I, I feel like God has gifted me in my beauty for the church. I want to tell you, it's not your hair, your makeup. Like, th th those are not spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, you, you may say to yourself, well, I'm really good at math. God's gifted me. And I want to say, that, that's, not, that's not what this is talking about. It may be some skill that you have, you know, I, I'm great at decorating or I, I, I sing and like this is, and, and some people, we roll up to the church and we say, I like doing this. I feel like I'm good at it. I'm going to do it right now. And you say, well, you know, uh, that's not really what this passage is talking about. It's about serving for the building of his church as needed and uh, as to build the church. And so be careful that you make the distinction between personal talents and things that uh, he has done. And not to confuse you even more, but I would say this, all that stuff too. All that stuff that he's given you. You know, if he's made you tall, if he's made you strong, if he's made you healthy, if he's made you to sing, if he's like, like if you've been given that at birth and creation and you've been had opportunities, that's stuff too, right? What is that for? Building of his church. The building of his church. It's not spiritual gifts like it's talking about here, but all that you have, all that you have is meant for him to use in this life for the building of his church. Uh, and one last thing before we move on to my closing, closing comments. It's not for me. It's 
It's not for me. I want you to get this. So uh, uh, I picture this allocation of these gifts and this idea that God sees Kevin and he says, I know you, Kevin. I know the sins that you've committed. I know how I saved you. And now I gift this to you. I, I grant you this gift. I've allocated this to you. And, and most of the time, you know, when we have a gift, we go, well, it's mine. It's mine. You know, and, and we treat it like a bucket of ice cream, right? It's mine. And you wait for the rest of the family to leave. And then you take the whole box, half gallon. It's not a half gallon anymore. But you, you take it and you sit on the couch with the fork or the spoon or whatever. And you're just like, I'm watching TV, eating my ice cream. It's a gift to me. I want to tell you that God gifted you for what? His use of you in the building of his church. Three last things. Here we go. What this is, is spiritual people building. Spiritual people. What is he, what is he doing in this church? Spiritual people building. And, and I want you to get this. And so this is what I want to encourage you about. Never be alone in this. Never be alone. A building it has never, a building has never done the work of God. It's spiritual people building. This building is so that you and I could be here right now, right? And so the idea is that all this is meant to go on to build people. If you're doing something alone by yourself that isn't about people, you're not, you didn't get this, okay? You want to be with people, about people, for people, because this, his church is about spiritual people building. Secondly, you can say this, I need the church. I need the church. But also, the church needs me. The church needs me. I need the church. The church needs me. And this is the local church. This is the local church. I know, you know, I just, I want to be so clear on this, but I want to say this. You can be a believer and not be connected to a local church. It's just not God's intention for you. That's not what he said. He saved you to be together, to be together. And you say, well, I don't like people. Probably you're not that likable yourself, okay? But we need each other. We need each other. We're, we're, we're members of one another. And you say, well, I'm part of the, the universal church. Neat. Me too. But he's designed us to be in the local church. Why? Because the people in China right now, we're never going to see. And so these, these gifts are meant to be used for the building of his church in local places and local times. Lastly, my giftedness is for the success of the local church that I'm a part of. My giftedness is for this. It's not for my success. My success. God, thank you for this morning. What a blessing to be with your people. God, I pray that as this is a challenge to us, I pray it also be motivational that we would think through how you have saved us and made us and that we would be involved and ready to give generously uh, to the work here in ways that you have equipped us. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for what you are doing. Uh, help us to be more effective for you and glorify you more in this place. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.